0: Hi everyone, welcome to Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I present everything to Mark, and he pontificates. Today, we have the second part of our 80s movies episode featuring Matt Snedeker, Mark's son. We're really grateful that you come back and listen to us each week. Thank you so much for supporting us, and we invite you to stay tuned until the very end of this episode for some exciting news about Matt's movie list. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So let's look at, let's look at our second question. Our second question was what's what things seem out of place today in terms of subject tone plot um, in, in your, of your film and how it's presented in your film.
1: So Matthew, well, let's, let's go back to you. Now, so let's go back. Your to films are Matthew.
2: anachronistic.
1: <laughs> True. Well, not that there are not, you know, very, very many of those kinds of movies still being made, but there, you know, you got to, there's definitely more considerations made towards um, whether or not, I think, I mean, it's about bringing people in the room behind the scenes and everything, obviously. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the lack of um, consideration and the lack of um, at least pointing to, you know, the, the richness and the whiteness of the characters and Ferris Bueller is definitely something that I think, um, if you made Ferris Bueller today you would have to make it differently. You would. I think that, well, and also because, you know, Ferris Bueller very much uh, exemplified a kind of fantasy that existed very strongly in um, the mind of of mid-80s culture in a way that it it probably doesn't in the mind of, you know, 2020. And I think that it's very much, it, it stands out because it's it's a movie that could have only been made in 1986, you know, or I guess, you know, probably 87, if you really think about it. But um, it couldn't have been made at another time because it wouldn't have made sense to be made at another time because there's so many things going into it from, you know, even even the scene um, with with his sister in the police station. What do you
2: care if your brother ditches school?
1: Why should he get to ditch when everybody else has to go?
2: So you're pissed off because he ditches and doesn't get caught. Is that it? Basically. Basically. And your problem is you. Excuse me? Excuse you. You ought to spend a little more time dealing with yourself. A little less time worrying about what your brother does.
1: What, are you a psychiatrist? No. Why don't you keep your opinions to yourself?
2: Somebody you should talk to.
1: If you say Ferris Bueller, you lose a testicle. And... Charlie Sheen and mm. being a drug addict and making out with him and everything like that—it's that scene doesn't really work as much in a time where maybe like conservative family values are not as much of a a mega forefront um, in in culture and a, and a granted in culture where like of course everybody will be shocked by this scene where she makes out with a nearly transparent <laughs> Charlie Sheen.
2: Hi, don't hi me, young lady. I want to get out of here now. All right?
0: Okay. No, now. Let's okay. get out of here. Oh, okay. 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 Yes. Now. Fine. <laughs> She's a little hyper.
1: Uh. Uh. Let's not ruin this with a lot of talk. All right? Okay. You didn't tell me your name. Oh. Well, it's it's Jean, but uh, a lot of, a lot of guys call me Shauna.
2: Okay, Jane.
1: <laughs> on a bench in the police station um because because it's the it's the context of of what's going on around it um i'd be interested to hear what you guys think uh, you know sort of stands out in terms of um maybe something that's whether whether inappropriate or just you know stands out as supremely you know could have could have only been made at that moment
2: well, I think they make fewer movies with uh, – or at least they try to make fewer movies with uh, pedophiles cast as the uh, principal, I think, for one thing. So,
0: okay. Well, they considered. didn't know but, about
2: it. I mean, he would have gotten canceled uh, before, <laughs> shortly thereafter, I think. But, uh, no, I think, I think that you could – I think you could move that movie a little bit in time and still – probably make it work don't you think i mean not 30 years maybe um because cell phones ruin so many movies Yes, right i mean that's just a a, a total deus ex machina in every movie
0: i think that sloane's character would have been beefed up she wouldn't have been just the sidekick girlfriend who's there to be married at some point in the distant future whatever
1: what's her line about isms and things like that that has her philosophy injected into it?
0: Right, right. I mean, because still in in that in that day and age, she is there just to be the romantic interest, and she's meant to be beautiful, and she is meant to be married at some day.
1: Oh shit! I have to go. I'll call you tonight.
0: You
2: too. He's going to marry me.
0: And meanwhile, Ferris is like running through the yards and stopping to look at the girls in the bikini, bikinis and introduce himself too. So he's, you know, so, so that's kind of not cool and you don't have Sloane's real viewpoint. It's just all Sloane reflecting Ferris. And, and um, so that's one thing. Um, two, I think that some of what Cameron was going through would be handled differently because I think it's speaking to, you know, that Ferris is kind of mocking him. And really what's going on with Cameron is more of a crisis of identity than just, you know, he's, he's not just a hypochondriac. There's something else that's going on there. And I think that that would have, that would have been handled differently. Like it had been more, more of a serious. Well,
1: yeah. And the, the, the sort of backdrop of, of a potentially maybe like, I don't know if it's an abusive household, but it's certainly not a functioning one. I'll give you two good reasons why not. My mother and my father. They're married and they hate each other. You've seen them, am I right? So what? Well, it's like that car. He loves the car. He hates his wife. Right. With, with Cameron and his and his parents and everything, definitely would have been probably brought more to the forefront because it it could have honestly, you know, brought more of a as as if we're going along with the idea that he is the one that goes on the hero's journey and everything like that, that's, you know, that's more backstory for your hero.
0: Right, considered. right, exactly, and I think that would have been fleshed out a little bit, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if people appreciate the glib kind of Ferris hero, sort of, that he is. I, maybe they would, um they certainly they, they think- certainly appreciate the anti-hero but i don't know that paris is really an anti-hero he's just like a guy you want to you want to be like him he's cool you want to just like so um so that would be be one thing and then also just the premise is uh because now of course there's you know parents aren't they don't have to come home and check on you they just look at their phones and say you know where right. where is that you know where is he yeah. oh is his 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 360 app is off, so he's off doing something. So, I mean, and yeah, yeah. and Insta and everything well, that else, would have they to would've...
1: be that would have to, there would have to be more contrivance, right? It would have to right. be like, oh, I have like a burner phone that I take with me, right. and I leave this one home mm-hmm. with the snoring machine on yeah, and everything. See,
2: there you go. Right. See, Ma- Matthew's already when mom, solved your dilemma. You times. the dilemma. <laughs> facetimes
1: yeah, my, my phone's plugged into my computer so that when mom FaceTimes me, it's actually like a video of me yeah, instead of like the recorder at the door like and everything.
2: I have a 3D rendering of myself <laughs> that'll
1: answer my phone. Exactly.
2: I have a deep fake video that I can show her. You know.
0: Answer, answer yes. the question. Question, oh, question two I, to you. What's- yeah,
2: I will tell you that Breaking 2 would be perfectly at home in today's cinematic world because there are movies being made like it all the time the step up movies right
1: oh uh, yeah we talked about that i think maybe while you were gone but uh,
2: you got served come on
1: step up 4 is actually kind of a clone of the break into electric boogaloo yeah, plot it's there derivative. you go know, there's the, it's there's super the legacy derivative. Right so it, <laughs> there
2: so i mean <laughs> imagine if you will you know shabadoo right talking possibly to boogaloo shrimp and saying, you know, bring it. And then Boogaloo Shrimp going, it's already been broughten. I mean, you could totally see that in, you know, a, a modern setting here. So, um, I and I think, honestly, uh, the, the uh, same thing with this, the, little, the little acapella singing movies, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same type of thing where it's young adults solve their problems through music Dan- and dance, dance, right? I mean... It's well, like West but side also, Story,
0: but brighter, happier, happier.
2: happier. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: What about the, oh, oh, like, the super racism? I mean, it is, like, overt racism. In it way. is. By so the, that with the, the fiancé, right. whatever. That You've been doing just wonderful things with these poor
1: little deprived children. Actually, Miracles is having some trouble, Dad. Those people can't stay out of trouble no matter what you do for them. Are you looking at one of those people? Oh, well, Derek didn't mean to be rude. Did you, Derek?
2: Now, I think that culturally, that's a fairly good reflection of what's going on right now. There's definitely that kind of super racism, and we can – anybody can pull up a YouTube video and and watch a MAGA parade or whatever and hear worse – racism than that but you're right they don't
1: they are the villains of the movie like i mean there are movies being made today where the villains are racist they might not be as comically racist it might be more of like a get out thing where it's like but i think there's other kinds of racism out there but they're the bad guys they're supposed to be racist
0: i had them in my notes as the big bad right like you know the the developer comes up he's the big bad so yeah they are they're they're definitely the bad guys.
2: and i think breaking two's take on racism is going to be more enlightened than most 80s movies mostly because you know all your actors are people of color and it would be awkward to be super racist towards them while you're asking them to make a movie for you well but there's a be lot fair. of racism like you know not blatant but like real racism in 80s movies right i mean think even john hughes movies right uh, uh yeah. long duck dong yeah. Not a very enlightened take on Asian Ameri- on Asian people, right? Okay. And the black guy was always, you know, j- shucking and jiving type of stuff, which is horrible, right? In this movie, it shows them slightly more realistic, right? I mean, yes, it's somewhat stereotypical, but I will, I will contend
1: yeah. that there is a character in the movie where the joke is that she speaks Spanish. Um, and oh yeah, and not any yeah. other, and not any Look, other. So like there any is other there is an and- element, of the, there is an element of like that even even though it is it is more progressive in its in its racial politics probably definitely than either ferris bueller or saint elmo's fire just right by a by virtue of the fact that there are people of color in the film and b by virtue of the fact that it attempts to address those things by displaying racism as being done by the villains and it's a bad thing and it's even in the movie there's there's that aspect too where it's like it obviously wasn't it wasn't fully there because there's a character where it's it's funny that she doesn't speak
2: English. Well, to be fair, that is pretty hilarious.
1: Well, and no, but she
2: also
0: <laughs> at one point she's just like hidden in a closet in the hospital room and then just emerges. That like, what I that was felt?
1: that that felt like it was from like a like a like airplane or something like that. Like it, it just like, baffled like me. Like it's I just was... a thing that happened. I feel like maybe the
2: continuity guy was asleep that day. <laughs> I don't know well, what happened? Hand. But well, there's
1: like, a lot shit, of continuity room How do we get her in
2: the
0: yeah. room? There are tons, there are tons of continuity errors. Like it's meant to be the same I am shocked. Show up in different outfits. It's like crazy. But but the other thing is, is that her voice, her voice was so badly dubbed. It wasn't even, it was so bizarre. It wasn't even her I, voice. It was. There was a lot yeah, of Yeah, I very, looked that
1: up. There's a there's like an entry in TV tropes about this movie where they talk about how Apparently, the original actress's voice was so soft and quiet while they were filming the movie that um, they had to get somebody to come in and dub over it also in Spanish. Because, again, it would not be a super funny joke if she wasn't speaking. They should have done some sound checks, Christina.
0: Well, I thought to myself, I probably could have recorded that and I would have been a better um, like sound technician than whoever did break into electric boogaloo. Um, all right. So for For mine, for mine, I would say, from a race racist perspective, mine is. I mean, so so one of the things that seems seems out of place to me is that there it's a very white cast, except for people in the periphery, and then you have one person of color who is a prostitute, which is you know, I mean, my God, right? And then, I mean, how
2: stereotypical so stereotypical
0: and, and embarrassing just embarrassing that this is stupid stupid stereotype and then also then you had the asian man who was the like super powerful gangster and like the asian gangster yeah. and then also middle eastern men who had just tons of coke alec newberry hi alec it's jules i'm i'm over at the van buren hotel
1: oh, God. what time is it
0: oh, i don't know Listen, I'm with these Arabs and they've been forcing me to do coke all night. And I'm not sure because I don't understand very much Arabic, but I'm sure. I think I heard the words for gangbang. Alec, you got to come and get me. Please, I'm hiding in the Potomac suite. I think they said the word gangbang. I don't know, you know, she's she's high out of her mind on coke yeah. and they're just sitting there watching MTV right. eating pizza. Um, so, I mean, yeah. she's proven wrong, but it's just a lot of there. So there are obnoxious stereotypes in St. Elmo's. And then um, like the heavy duty smoking everywhere. A- Andrew McCarthy's character is. That's is,
2: super realistic. Kevin.
0: <laughs> well, no, but he was smoking in the hospital. You you couldn't smoke in the hospital like that. I mean, it was just like constant they, smoking. Yeah. Everywhere.
2: They, I mean, and, bars, but yeah, I'll also say, I'll also say the color makeup of the cast. Was also pretty accurate for that time period and area.
0: No, I because don't, I was yeah, in Georgetown during that
2: area. They were it was white as hell, and it's not like we lacked they lacked for black people in DC, right? But it was still very Georgetown was lily white, right? And that, okay. and it's terrible. That's just reflecting the racism and you know still kind of unofficial segregation of that time.
1: No, and I I don't and even beyond. So even beyond I mean the the racial stereotypes that are in the movie with the three examples that you mentioned, the the gay stereotype that's in the movie too, right? Yes. The, of course. her neighbor, yep. who's obviously he's 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 not he, in it a lot, he's and he's obviously like flamboyantly gay, yeah. and he comes mm-hmm. out of his apartment for his one scene with a huge margarita fishbowl in his hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kev, you've got a problem. Mm. You're gay and you're madly in love with Alec. I see. I mean it's okay. We all love Alec, he's our hero. Jules, there's the brink of insanity, and then there is the abyss, Kevin, which there's nothing obviously be you ashamed into. Of. Gay became very shaken. No, I'm not ashamed. Um, uh, I am not gay, and I am not staying. Kevin, Kevin, look at me in this room. Are you hard? On. No. Please. Look, let me just introduce you to Ron. He's gay too, and he's so fabulous and then the um i forget what his i forget what his name is the the writer character kevin. who they think is gay yeah.
2: mm-hmm. kevin
1: kevin is like um i'm not gay vindictive and mean yeah, yeah he's like vindictive and mean to him when he yeah. finally starts dating leslie. uh his his love interest right. leslie don't you guys ever use a bed hi jules hi uh, i'm gonna show jules your piece okay wait 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 what?
0: Hi, Ron. Hi.
1: Like, hey, what's going on? Look at me yeah. not being gay over here. And it's like, it's yeah. so, it's so mean. And it's, it goes to the thing of like, everybody in this movie is like kind of a bad person, as much as it's oh, like, are. except for, except for, um, I'm sorry again, the names are just going Mayor, to say me. Mayor, uh, well, Wendy, the, the Wendy. Yeah. Mayor Winningham. Mayor Winningham yeah.
2: She's um, just, a, the, she's just passive aggressive, uh, enabler, codependent, psychopath. Nice but other than right that she's-
1: exactly
2: she's
0: not a other than, right exactly Wow. Well, <laughs> she's just she's just I mean, she's in love with him and she's but but she she's a stereotype because she's the girl that's in love with the bad boy and can't let him go which is not a necessarily wrong stereotype i mean women do no. that and right. they still do that but i mean she really is trapped in that but yeah you're right i think- thank
2: god i would never have a date <laughs>
0: oh my god so why did you one's... do this see you know you're
1: you're not that bad of a guy, <laughs> Just a you're, with a nice guy. you're a nice guy oh i guy. am you're a nice mm. guy I am um devil. and then you know obviously the uh the date rapist is fully uh admonished without oh, yeah. any real like there's no there's no come to jesus there's no hey we need to talk about this bud before we hang out again you know that one that's sort yeah, of yeah you know, swept under the rug and everything yeah. um I also get it, written- the film is obviously it, yeah the film is obviously very purposefully trying to display people with you know character flaws who are making it through that they're not trying to display you know good people but there are in the same way that break Two has racism in it that's written into it because the characters are bad people but then also there's a character where it's funny that she speaks spanish this movie has characters written into it where you're supposed to get that they're bad but then there's elements where like the film doesn't get that it's not getting it on this point.
0: Yeah. no, 100%, the 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 rapiness and the stalkerishness, that, like all of that stuff, that is that would not not be cool in this, right? It would not be you wouldn't have um, you know, Kirby's character being like, "Oh, well he's a lovable stalker." Well, no, Right, but, he's like a
1: dope as opposed to Yeah, he's to a just creep. this
0: this dopey guy. What's he doing? It's he's oh, just he misstepping. It's somebody a misstep. else
1: is at the log cabin.
0: Yeah. He accidentally
2: oh, sexually assaulted her.
0: <laughs> and and uh, and and um Billy is just, you know, he's like this, oh, you know, oh, well, yeah, he did try and date rape Demi Moore, who's a long-term friend of his. Right. But, you know, she, she just looks at him and goes, you break she my heart. Him. You break my heart. But then he again, you break everybody's. So it's like, oh, well, Billy, you're just, oh, Billy, you're such a tragic character. No, you're a well, dangerous not even to character. The
1: first, of course, and not even to mention the first scene where he crashes oh, yeah. drunk driving with, with wendy in the car drunk and driving. we're all just like ah officer can you, you rascal you know can you just let him <laughs> off it's his first offense, <laughs> and, exactly. and the
0: joke is is that like, the okay she's playing paying, the saxophone
1: or whatever like, yeah
0: she's paying and he's he's hitting on the girl in the in the ambulance i mean he's he, and, yeah. and she's paying for him And then they're, they're like, oh, you know, the joke is, oh, she's finally maxed out her dad's credit card. It's just, all of it is gross, Mm -hmm. gross, gross, but the redeeming thing about them, and, and this is, so at the end, you know, when, when Jules is in her, her moment of of breakdown and she says, I never knew I'd be so exhausted when I was 22, that's not unrealistic. And it may not happen when you're 22, but I guarantee it happens in your twenties where you kind of just go to, go to yourself. This is not. And it happens repeatedly over the rest of of your life. Right. Like that really really resonates. It didn't when I was 16 and watching the movie, I just thought I want a Jeep and I want to look like Demi Moore. And I want those earrings. You know, that's, that's what's the aspirational part of it. Um, You know, I want a I want a boyfriend that's like Judge Nelson, but, Oh, and this is the other thing that I wanted to say that doesn't, there's no real conviction. Um, in 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 a film made today, Judd Nelson wouldn't go, well, I'm gonna switch over to work for the Republican because I make more money. In this day and age, you wouldn't just go, you know what, I'm gonna be opportunistic and I'm gonna move over into the Republican party. But it's, it leads to a great line. Thanks, Alec. Alec is becoming a Republican and he wants to get married. Oh my God, I always knew he was a Republican. What should I do? <laughs> I think you should have another shot. So yeah, so that to me is also um, incongruous in, in terms of what we might expect today
1: from, from a film. Right, if more, or if, if you know, maybe said at the same time, but made today, he might be like, uh, you know, a staunch, you know, sort of like Reagan Bush type and everything. And it's more of a more of a thing of, his girlfriend, fiance on the board, you know, what his partner is, Mm -hmm. has to sort of like reconcile it. Right. Cause like everybody else in their friend group is this way and they all just got done going to Georgetown and getting a liberal arts education. And now, she's got a boyfriend who's in the group and everyone just kind of tolerates and mm-hmm. he's like the black sheep of the group and everything there there would be more there as opposed to just like well you know that guy pays me you, more money yeah you go were go,
0: you were the democrat and and all the way through college and then now you're a now you're a republican well because i make more money as a republican that's a very very 80s thing that marked to me when i heard that when we were watching it the other night and i heard that that's really when i thought to myself this is this has got to be my movie because that's super 80s which is very materialistic yeah. upwardly mobile i can be bought <laughs> of course you can. I, I
2: will abandon all my principles for enough money so' see sure, so you know
0: sure of course you would all right all right all right all right so yeah. let's look at let's look at the question number three and so why why does your film Um, epitomize the 80s and maybe we've talked through this a little bit but like or is illustrative of the 80s or what's really really 80s to you about your film so matt go ahead
1: yeah i i think that there is like a really um it's it it sounds very much like i'm making excuses for ferris bueller's day off but i'm not i think that there is a sort of like internalized um like ignorance and like sort of like Reagan era, like everything's totally cool. Like we're all good and, and there's not like, we, we don't care about other problems going on in the world. It's just I'm in my bubble and I'm going off and, and watching a baseball game and stuff like that and pretending like nothing else happens. I think that there's very much a kind of kind of consumerist, bliss that happens in ferris bueller's day off that you it wouldn't really work as well any any other time and which is why i think it's sort of like a lustrum of the 80s i'm obviously the one in the group who uh was negative five when the, when the 80s came to an end um, yes but but and so obviously i don't i don't have you know like any sort of lived experience in terms of what the 80s were like but for me when i watch ferris bueller's day off Um, you know it's not just the fact that like he has a very 80s computer it's not that he has a very 80s you know synthesizer or or all the music is like this or everyone dresses this way although that all is there I think that it's more that there's a kind of there's a kind of like American dream that's still um, in there that was that's sort of untouched and and virginal and sort of escaped from uh, a level of cynicism that would not have you wouldn't have been able to get away with it as much as as the year sort of progressed and we got you know further further on down the timeline I don't think that you could have made it in in the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s um it with much the same sort of like whimsy as you could and and gotten across sort of the same points that's why I say like if you made a Ferris Bueller in another decade you would have to change it you have to change not only the you know oh I, I have a I have a find my phone thing and my parents know where I am with the technology, but you'd have to change the sort of themes of it too, because it's reacting to um, the politics of the moment and the politics of the moment are obviously different. If you, if you march down the timeline, 10, 20, 15, 30 years,
2: his biggest problem in his life is he doesn't want to go to high school, right? I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly. Yeah, now Andy, Cameron Andy obviously has a car, a slightly no. m- more, yeah. And Cameron obviously has a slightly more complicated life, but you know, that's really the big issue. Is gee, uh, let, I don't want to go to high school today, right? That's the big, big problem. Yeah, and
1: Slim right, and just think she knows
0: she's going to get married, and you know, she, so she's fine.
1: Right, and I think that it's it's very it's it becomes harder to make a movie like that 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 is as sort of like I said, as sort of having the blinders on to all that other stuff as you as you get along. I think that. I mean, not to say that there were not people who watched that movie in 1986 and thought about how ridiculous it is that he doesn't give a shit about, you know, any of the problems upsetting some of the less fortunate people in the world. There probably definitely were and the people that had very strong reactions to it as a result. But I think that it's like I said, it's the kind of movie that you could only get funding and 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 an audience and critical reception to. At the time that it came out, and I think that that's why it's sort of um, the epitome of of what an '80s movie can be.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't. I right I agree on. with that. I like that. Okay, Mark, what about you?
2: Well, obviously, my movie choice is more universal, of course, because it could obviously happen, could have taken place in other decades. But there is definitely the, the '80s vibe is it reeks of 80s vibes right i mean the the hip-hop clothing the kind of mtv style uh you know approach to it um and obviously the dancing is very much early hip-hop you know style right there's no uh no Fortnite dances happening there right i mean they're you know it, it's, it's it's
1: wow sick reference dude that's really cool i can tell you play a lot of yeah uh, i I well you know so.
2: i'm not a regular dad i'm a cool dad okay <laughs> oh yeah it's
0: so, been of mentioned course. before in but, um, our podcasts.
2: yes but um and and you did mention kind of the blatant racist enemy which i think would probably be somewhat more nuanced you know in today's Uh, approach to it but i i mean i'll say it's a very 80s movie there's a lot 80s about it but it was also some reaction against the 80s right because they really didn't embrace the consumer culture as much whether it's because of their circumstance or not you know but they were fighting against the developer right they're fighting against the man and the 80s was not very much about fighting against the man the 80s was a lot more about trying to be the man Mm -hmm. right that was that was your aspiration, is you wanted to get into the system and start, you know, cashing in on the uh, uh, on the rising stock market. So, um, but I mean, obviously, you know, if you look at, it, I mean, the the music, the dancing is all very dated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even more so than the soundtracks. Of, I mean, I think the Ferris Bueller soundtrack works today. Oh, so awesome! Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't. I mean, I don't think. You know. So, no, oh yeah, would really be out of league. place in any movie today. St. Almost is just that, you know, kind of Huey Lewis and the new like yeah. you said, that Huey Lewis and the crab, new sort of crab. you know, be, big band sound almost it, it 80s, is pretty terrible. The best eighties um, movie
0: soundtrack is Donnie Darko, and that was made in the like I think the early two thousands. So that's just uh, yeah. flat it's out like the all, best eighties music yeah. soundtrack.
2: Um, you are slightly incorrect because the actual best movie uh soundtrack is Gross Point Blank.
0: So oh, I'm sorry you're to right. Correct you there you're right yes i am
2: i am english beat i mean come on
0: yeah no you're right yeah
2: but um thank you Uh, (laughs) but uh so i think i think obviously that dates the movie quite a lot and you know the hair for god's sake you know (laughs)
0: the clothes um
2: you know yeah i mean it's you know you could you you know you'd look like uh, you just landed from another planet if you if you look like that in today's in any of today's movies unlike saint elmo's fire where you could pull off most of, most of those outfits
0: some of them not the somewhat women, in, not the girls in, as in much. today they were they were very early 80s preppy um sloan's outfit like yeah could, it was ferris bueller's clothes oh you sloan
2: you could rock you today
0: could, you could wear those clothes today
2: like you could you could, for example, have a fringe. You you could, for example, have a fringe jacket if you wanted.
0: we did it for that Halloween podcast.
2: Yes, exactly. Oh god! Um,
1: oh, god. But
2: um, so I think I think again I think mine mine would survive better in uh, today's world in many ways. But that is, I mean, just visually and atmospherically, it's very like super eighties.
0: I think that mine, mine shows like the worst, what like these are people that, that really inhabited the 80s. These were things that really happened in the 80s. And yeah. these are things that shouldn't happen. And and mine sort of puts right. in relief. Here's what you're gonna look at and here's what's gonna go wrong. This is what's wrong about the 80s. And, and I think then in the end that, that bears out. And it's it's not as cynical as it could be. Um, but I think I think that they're, you know, looking back at it, you can be pretty, pretty cynical about it. And so that's to me why I, I look at it and I say, you know what, this is like at, at once the sort of height of what was aspirational in the early 80s into the mid 80s. And then this is what you then reacted against in the late 80s, yeah. and early 90s. know when when things come crashing down you look back and you go "Well, what the hell were we thinking all right so um uh what else do we had to say is there anything else to say about 80s movies in general or any of our movies and in particular what
1: are what are some of the other ones that you considered to to be for your pick
2: uh i considered uh ghostbusters because i think it's the best movie that was made in the 80s Mm -hmm. bar none but it was. It didn't really speak to the decade very much, right? It's too fantastical. You're saying
1: you're not a you're not a huge fan of Ingmar Bergman's Fanny och Alexander.
2: Well, you know, I did I did uh, briefly <laughs> consider that one, um, but uh, no. Um, so I considered Ghostbusters. Uh, obviously, you can't think about '80s movies without running through the Hughes films, right? Mm-hmm. You have to at least think about them. I and mean, I think the obvious pick. And I'm glad nobody made it. I think the obvious pick would have been Bre- Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. I, think I think that's think- the most on the nose pick, and I definitely considered it, but then I was like, Ugh, "That's so on the nose," and I'm I'm so much edgier than that.
1: Breakfast Club is the quintessential '80s high school culture movie. Yeah, I don't know that it like you don't see you're you're in the high school the whole time with five with five people under the age of, well, I guess maybe Judd Nelson's character is like 45, but yeah. <laughs> five people it's supposed to be under the age of 18. Yeah. Um, you don't see as much of, of society as you do in St. Elmo's Fire no. or Breaking 2 or, or Paris Bueller.
2: No, you're basically the only commentary you really get is don't judge a book by its cover, right? I mean, that's kind of the ultimate message there. It's and it's not movie, very though. tied to that decade. It it's is a, a, great a great movie. It's a great I agree. But, I mean, but it's it's a great it's, adventure and comedy movie. You know, it is. Um, and come in a bit of coming of age. But um, so those are the ones I consider.
0: I considered Lesson Zero. That was one. Mark, you were you not. You can vouch for me on that because I said to you, it's either going to be yep. between Saint Elmo's Fire or best or Lesson Zero. So Lesson Zero. Yep. Um, if if I wasn't trying to do like full on talking about the eighties as a, as a, like a cultural moment. So a a movie that sort of says, this is the eighties in, in the movie instead. looking Yeah. This is what was interesting or popular or um, artistic in the eighties. I might've done something like, um, uh, out of Africa or I
1: might've
0: might've done um, chariots of fire which neither of them had anything to do about with the actual culture of the 80s but had more to do with with again like what people were were finding to be quality in in the 80s so that that i think that i i might have i might have gone if we were taking a different tone so but
1: yeah that's sort of like prestige biopic yeah. sort of thing was was yes. obviously like that even like going into something like Gandhi Gandhi exactly
0: like- you know then there are others like a 16 can I mean if you're going to do the Hughes ones or, or those kinds teen teen films were really popular so then there's like um 16 candles there's pretty in pink which is another one say anything a lot of the John Cusack movies were were a little bit like a, just a tad bit better, darker. He's, he's a great, yeah. They're a little bit darker and a little bit more cynical. He's a great actor. He so is. yeah. So I, I just better think, off
2: dead. Great movie
0: better off dead. Right? Yeah. I mean, but I, I think that, you know, and then the other thing that happened in the eighties and this was, you know, this was a thing. I mean, I was young, so these were, I was sneaking seeing these things like things like um, the unbearable lightness of being or blue velvet or nine and a half weeks. It's like, sort of soft porn but yeah because you didn't have the porn access that you do now so i right. mean you, would, you watch those yeah. movies and uh, so that those were those were others i went like but that nine and a half weeks is a great i liked that movie that's another great soundtrack but i wouldn't have put that as like you know like one of the best 80s movies blue velvet maybe though like mm-hmm. um what's his name blue david velvet david, is david lynch david, is yeah blue
1: velvet is blue velvet's fantastic i mean that's definitely one of the best, one of the best men, ma- this is the thing too, like I didn't, there's the best made movie, like I think Raging Bull or like Do the Right Thing mm-hmm. are yeah, like do, two do of the, the best, right best made, Do the Right Thing is one that I considered um, and yeah. that and like Back to the Future was another one that I considered right. even though obviously mm-hmm. they spent a lot of time in 1955. Mm-hmm. I think that probably because I, I wasn't alive in the 80s, I think I go for a lot more of the, um, like visual right like i mean in terms of like what I, what i i'm seeing it and it and it's in the 80s right i wouldn't have picked something as much like like chariots of fire just because it's like i don't think of it as much like that because yeah. it's set in 19 what, 1912 or whatever it is mm-hmm. but um i'm, I'm interested christina i remember from a past podcast you said that you really enjoy hannah and her sisters was that kind of like a we didn't want to have a Woody Allen conversation or well,
0: no, I mean, Woody Allen is problematic, but I, uh, you know, we, 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 we did that and we talked about that in cancel culture, which was our first episode and he's -hmm. problematic, but I literally one of the best filmmakers that I I can think of. And I love, Mm -hmm. I love Hannah and her sisters. I love, my favorite is Manhattan, which is I think in the seventies, but I mean, yeah. yeah. So he's, uh he's massive to me just there are some there are some really great films that were made in the 80s that have nothing to do really with the 80s they just they they just are character studies maybe more than than what we're talking about now
1: yeah absolutely Decade studies yeah exactly and i and i really i really did consider do the right thing um just because i mean it's again it's it's incredibly artfully made it's it's you know i think still as much as I like a lot of Spike Lee movies, I think it's still his masterpiece, um, and obviously incredibly emblematic of uh, a type of um, '80s culture that is not present in in my movie or your movie, Christina, mm-hmm. but is present um, in in Breakin' Two. But again, maybe possibly better, well done, in, in <laughs> do the right thing. But I just
2: slightly, I
1: did, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that I had as much to i i have a lot to that i could say forever about do the right thing but i worry i would um not i don't know not not not, not be the right person to talk about it but i just don't know that i could even suss out all the stuff worth talking about just because of um being so you know not not in that culture of of the people who are portrayed in that movie well but it, it's not me well no but
0: here's here's the thing Matt. but
1: that it, one is so that one is so it's so deep and it's so important and it's so about things that are like very much it's as much as yes there are very there was a lot of racist real estate practice going on in the 1980s mm-hmm. it, definitely a real problem that breaking two is attempting to bring to the silver screen but <laughs> <laughs> but um it's do the right thing is so I mean, it's so uh, relevant to like everything that's happened every single year ever since then and today. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, how do you watch that? How do you watch that movie and not think of like Eric Garner? You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's no. and there's just there's so much there's so much more that I just don't even I wouldn't be able to even scratch the surface on what to talk about. With no, that movie.
0: Uh, you know the thing is, is that's real life, right? Or realish right. life, right? And, and you're right, it is every year since then. It's every year probably before then. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was very in your face. And I can remember there were a couple of films, you know, many of Spike Lee's films were were, they were sort of like wow, break in too, not to even put it in that same category, but kind of was a whitewash, it made it easier for white people who at the time many white people, particularly in middle middle america, just didn't have the contact with with um people of color, of any color. It was you know, so. It I mean not to say that there was none at all, but that was limited. And and so breaking two is this kind of like ease you into it. It's like, you know, like, while well, you're a white person, you can handle watching this because you'll recognize this. And right. yes, you know, there, the there's a hinting, there's a hinting yeah. at an interracial romance, yeah. but they never really consummate that. And it, you know, you just never know really are they are they together, are they not? That's kind of like you know, it's easing you into it. But like sure. Jungle Fever, or um, or you know, like some of some of the other the other films, it's more in your face, and it's more like okay, you you've got to confront this, and yeah. we in the eighties we were at that precipice of confronting the things that that white people were thinking wrong about, and 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 misunderstanding, and 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 actually um, cultivating in a wrong way or propagating in a wrong way.
1: Yeah, so well, I, I mean, I, you you, don't, you need to look no further than the fact that spike lee lost uh he should have won 700 oscars that year but the fact 100%. that he lost he loses the oscar to driving miss daisy is like yeah america wasn't ready for that movie you yeah. know what right. i mean like wow. it's <laughs> and, and yeah. maybe, maybe you're least.
2: gonna if you're yeah maybe if you're gonna cheat him out of the oscar maybe don't give it to driving miss daisy well
1: and also don't give it
2: to. <laughs> the america. irony is yeah and don't
1: give it's, it to driving miss daisy part two electric boogaloo <laughs> you know, 20 well, years later or yeah, 30 years I, later I, in I, Green
2: yeah. Book. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So, so, Christina, on the point you were making about how Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, helped <laughs> helped kind of feed a, a, a slightly safer version of that culture to make it a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. for the, the white audience, I feel like it's kind of the equivalent of Walk This Way with Run DMC, right? Because it, hip-hop was not accessible on the whole to white America. Right. I mean, you know, I had heard rappers delight before, but I mean, I didn't know anything about Curtis blow or grandmaster flash at that time. I mean, it just wasn't, you know, in my consciousness, but having them do this, you know, this cover and duet with Aerosmith had a pretty big impact on music at that point. They, it really, it really catapulted uh, run DMC Mm -hmm. into more mainstream stardom and uh kind of made hip-hop you know kind of a thing in you know rap especially obviously but uh made it a quite kind of a thing for you know white kids it made it more accessible you know what uh, really made
0: rap accessible
2: Bernilla Ice
0: no 86 the Beastie Boys
2: oh wow but, you know, yeah, but they were but still, I mean, yeah. no,
0: but true. But they were, they were, they were, they were hooked up with run DMC. Yeah. But but the, my right. point there is, is that, yeah, as much as run DMC was an entree. And, and look, look at, look at breaking too. They're all dressed like Michael Jackson. So, yeah. so, and Michael Jackson is pretty easy for white, white folks to like. And of course. Um, um, so, so it's just this, uh, it's just this kind of like easing, easing in that right yeah. now, seems silly and, and offensive. And I don't, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not super comfortable with, with it because it just goes to prove that it's there's some real problems. And, and I well, mean, Well, cause
1: people... I uh, well just to, I think over time, we've just seen more and more examples and maybe they've, they've happened, but they weren't in the headlines and everything, but more and more examples of where that, that whitewash thing that like, you know, br- breaks through the barrier and, and becomes popular being the thing that also denies somebody else like actually become like the, the person who invented a thing or really trailblaze something becoming as popular as they could be. Perfect example. Kendrick Lamar releases, uh, one of the, one of the best hip hop albums of all time. One of my favorite albums of all time, good kid, mad city in 2012. Uh, another album gets released that year called the heist by Mack Lamar and Ryan Lewis. Mm-hmm. And, the Heist by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, which I think is a fine album, wins the Oscar or not the Oscar, sorry, the Grammy for Best Rap Album over Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, M.A.D. City. And it's it's an example like that where yes, Macklemore might have gotten you know people into uh, a genre that they would have not otherwise been into, and maybe they listen to Macklemore and then they listen to J. Cole and then they listen to you know something further down the rabbit hole and they get super into hip hop and that's awesome but Kendrick Lamar should have a Grammy for Good Kid, Mad City at the very mm-hmm. least in the hip hop category. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think that that's maybe the thing that makes us, makes that uh, sort of more commercial exchange feel more acidic as time, as time goes on, but maybe was necessary in 1980, whatever, where it's like we either don't have the conversation or we have the conversation and it's easier to make them the conversation if you give it to them like this, you know, yeah. a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I I, I get it, but in 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 you know, 35 years on, you kind of go, right. you're not wrong in the time. And and right. and i I admit I agree. I think that you know it had to happen that way in the time. 35 years down the road, it's a shame that it had to happen that way. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> any anything else we want to chat to before we no, wrap I'm up and done. do our do our social media?
2: Matthew, do you have anything you want to say? Uh,
1: do I have anything that I want to say? I had a great time talking with you guys about some 80s movies. Maybe I could come back and we could watch some super weird art house shit from Yugoslovakia. And yeah, we're we down about that in the future.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. I would love to have you back. And by, hopefully by that time, you'll have a web page.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll, see what, exactly.
0: we'll see what we can we can see, we'll to, see what we can put together. Exactly. Um, we'll
1: be able to generate some
2: some uh, impressions off of, off of my,
0: <laughs> my, my media here. circuit. Exactly. You might you exactly. might
2: beat up. You might beat us to having a web page. No.
0: <laughs> oh, he definitely will. You'll definitely yeah. beat us. <laughs> I, I one of um, Matthew's points um, that he brought up about Cameron is the hero of, of Ferris Bueller, kind of the surprising hero made me think of a of a fourth question and so i'm gonna pss, 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 pop it I'm, on not you guys. Prepa- I'm
2: not prepared for this well, i'm not, not prepared, prepared for anything you're never it for
0: prepared. <laughs> no, it's okay but the Seneca boys are not prepared i'm the only one that knew what that this question was coming but um so i would like to uh, we know that matt that you think that um cameron is actually the hero he's on the hero's journey and in Ferris Bueller, and this is probably pretty an easy question, but maybe maybe we can d- dig deeper and 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 try and think beyond uh, kind of outside of the obvious choice. But who's the villain? Sloane. No. Uh,
2: yeah, she's going. She's coming between. She's going to come between them. I just, can just tell.
0: No, she's no. She's um, just a very low key girl just waiting to get married.
1: I would. I would say that you know it. You're right. It might be very easy, but I think that. It's still, you know, a topic worth it. Ha- I mean, the Edward Rooney is the is the villain of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but not because and, and in real life and in real life, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's a pedophile or something, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um,
1: so Edward Edward R Rooney is the villain of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but not because they are high school children who are skipping school, and he is the principal trying to catch them skipping school. He is the villain of Ferris Bueller's day off because he is representative of everything that Ferris and Cameron and Sloan are running away from as they, as they, you know, have their, have their day off in, in Chicago. That he's, you know, he's as to put it just, I mean, super simply, he's the system, right? Like he is the industrialized sort of like school system that, you know, you know, anyone anyone bueller oh the laffer curve you know what i mean like that the you know the ben stein droning <laughs> sort of yeah sort of school system is represented in in ed rooney not because he is similarly you know sort of drony and and you know a, a face at a desk or anything but because he's sort of um viciously and maliciously defending it right like Mm -hmm. without any any forethought to whether or not it's actually a good system right like without any forethought there's no analysis on his end of like you know you know why is this kid taking so many days off of school right like do i need to like have a, a conversation with this kid to figure out what he needs to get out of school or anything like that it's you know it's just a blind hatred for for these kids and for their want to, uh, sprint away from, from a day at school that, that makes him the villain. It's, it's the fact that he embodies all of that stuff.
0: I agree a hundred percent. It is just the kind of similar to what I would say is going on in in St. Elmo's, which is this raging against you're talking a about machine? a cis, you're talking about a machine. In in St. Elmo's, I think it's more a raging against uh responsibility and having to to actually grow up. And 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 then at a certain point they just they by the end, you can tell they're all kind of acquiescing. They're all sort of pulling that last foot out of college and those young years and going, okay, we've got to we've actually got to move forward. And Demi Moore says at a certain point at the end, you know, I'm I'm 22. I never thought I'd feel this old at 22. There's this point in your life that you go, like, I didn't know that my entire life was going to be every day waking up trying to figure out what to make for dinner and just endless loads of laundry. And I mean, that is the 100% reality of what grown up life is is like at a certain point, especially after you have kids and you you're like doing everybody's laundry. So so I think that mine is an extension of yours. It's not so much the bigger picture of like the machine. It's just this this idea of raging against actually having to grow up and take responsibility.
1: Well and Mark- you talk about we talked earlier about you know how the the 50s sort of came into um, the American consciousness within the '80s, right through the sort of like retro um, movement, starting probably with Greece, right in like '78 or something like that. That sort of yeah, brings it back well, to the fore. But that um, that, that era, American graffiti, right? probably. Yeah, like, that's true. Right, so like more like '77, which but, led into
2: Happy Days, and that you know, that mm-hmm. all that nonsense.
1: So, but but that era sort of builds all of the myths that movies like like breaking two with it with its inclusion and its showing of different kinds of lives like st elmo's by by having this like you know horribly depressive image of of yuppieism and and like ferris bueller with just having a movie about running away from all that stuff the whole time it's really running away from those myths that were built in the 50s and have now come back into the consciousness like hey should we reconsider some of these things like is this really like okay yeah you grow up and you get two and a half kids and and you know a spouse and a white picket fence and everything like is that really should we just you know drive drive in the in the right lane the whole time you know it's it's i think that that stuff coming back to the fore really allows for a re-examination of it and i think that that's really something that that all three of our of our movies do um, dad please tell me why um, Ice-T is really the true villain of all of these films. Who's
0: the hero? Who's the hero in your film and who's the villain?
2: Right. So you might be, I mean, you might be tempted to call Kaleloli the hero, right? Cause it's a little bit her story arc, but I'm going to say, I mean, really the driving force behind all this was my man Shabadoo as Ozone. Okay. He's organizing all the, all the, uh, all the dances. The he's trying to. He's organizing the the uh, benefit to save the community center. Uh, he's front and center. Kalelali is really just kind of. Well, you don't know, like when I call her Kalelali.
0: <laughs> no, but I think it's hilarious because. Is I know else
1: in her name. I don't. I no, feel like I'm he's where,
0: he's making a joke about one of my one of my colleagues is named Kelly, but she spells it in a in a really funny way. So he's he calls her Kalelali. So now all Kellys are Kalelali. <laughs>
2: But um, so I'm going to say, you know, Ozone's definitely the hero. Um, it's really hard to move off of the developer as the villain because my movie is so simplistic. You know, there's not a lot. I mean, you could, I guess you could try to say Ice-T is the villain because he's perpetuating this hip hop culture. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you can say that. He's really – think- Ice-T is the I- Greek chorus.
1: I think okay. there's some unexpected villains that, that aren't really there until you look sort of deeper. Like the woman who works in the in the, the government building
0: yeah. is yeah.
1: the biggest pushover I think that I've ever seen in a yeah. movie. Let, let, me, let me go to my notes where I just, it, so she's so clearly skeptical, right? At first about putting this shopping center on top of this community right. center. And Oh, and, I don't know if I should so do you know, that. A hot oh, yeah, second. Oh, oh exactly. what will she those goes, kids oh, do? What about the kids? Where are they all going to go if we tear this place down? And then the adult man goes, uh, well, they've got the dance club that they can go to that's surely, you know, 18 to 21 plus and all the yeah. six-year-olds can't go to. And she goes, well, Mr. Chandler, you're right. And we yeah. just move on. No, no, white lady.
2: He's not right.
1: <laughs> she
0: is. And, so, and then they know, go to see some her later. Villains. They go to yeah. see her later and they say you've only given us 30 days and we're grateful for that um, but you know how can we get $200,000 in 30 days I don't know but it's the best. Karen Karen is like that's not my problem <laughs> You know she pays lip service to caring but she really doesn't care and you're right I think she is one of the one of the big villains
1: I think Karen, honestly, Karen don't care Yeah that, I think, I think that, that It's fair to say that that she's really meant to be emblematic of of the white moderate that um, we've been warned about for years from you know civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King and everything. I think that that's very clearly baked into this film and why I'm sure uh, you're gonna continue to argue for the rest of this conversation that it is the definitive film of the 80s.
2: Yes, thank you for adding that point to my already uh, bristling arsenal.
1: <laughs> All right, so um,
0: I'm hard pressed to find a hero in my movie. Um, um demi no no because she still... makes the
2: biggest transition she's reconciled with her uh step monster right and that really represents her you know uh character arc i think and she's you know stopped uh faking that she has a job and maybe she doesn't quite put so much coke up her nose but well, i mean i think she doesn't has...
0: come to jesus right but yeah. i think that she's still in early days I think probably the one who, if I have to choose one, well, there's, there's kind of two. One is a very, very minor character. um, But she makes a choice and she sticks to it, which is Felice, who is um, Billy's wife. And she finally says, I'm done with you and your bullshit. I'm going to move on with this guy. Billy, like the dicky, is, goes, well, I was I thought I'd be a weekend dad, but I'm just going to leave and I'm going to go to New York and and be a, you know, a saxophonist. So Billy really doesn't redeem himself. He just goes on to a different city to be Billy um, and like cuts loose his responsibilities and leaves them up to another more responsible man. But Felice kind of says, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to make a good choice. I'm going to leave this toxic situation. I'm going to go and try and find some stability for myself and my child. So she's uh, one. But from the from the main characters, I would say that probably Leslie, although I'm not a huge fan of her clothing stylings.
2: Mare um, Winningham?
0: No, that's uh, Ali Sheedy. Um. Um, She's the one that at the end kind of steps back from both guys and says, I'm Um, going to just go and, yeah, yeah, Ali Sheedy. Can we just call
2: her Ali Sheedy? No, we're just
0: Leslie. Leslie is her character name. Leslie steps back from both both guys and says, I'm going to just be on my own. I need to be on my own. I need to do my own thing. And even when Alec keeps proposing to her, she says to him, I can't say yes to you until I have something of my own. You know what I
2: really liked about her? Was when her she
0: pearls?
2: no when she like shook her head and scratched it and made it snow all over that picture. That was that, that, was, that was awesome. <laughs>
0: that was the Breakfast Club. No, but uh, I I mean her pearls were on point even when she was having sex with, with with Kevin. She still had her pearls on through the whole thing. So I mean it was pretty impressive. Um, well, and dedication Wendy's, to Wendy's
1: character. Wendy's character is at the very least you know sort of sympathetic to um, to the to the poor and to the disadvantaged and everything and yeah. is is the only one who I would say is sort of definitively not an asshole in the movie right no, like it's sort not, of inarguable she's or weak or she and is.
2: codependent but, she's, but yeah exactly. yeah she's
0: she's, she's yeah. she struggles with her addiction to toxic Billy and yeah. which even on the very last night when he's leaving to New York she you know they go to bed. She and it's like, it you up. know, that that's not that's not ideal. You know, like, no. what are you supposed to think that he eventually like comes back for her? Is that what no what's chance. the aspiration or does she just who knows, go on and find life happy someplace else? But now she's at least had that experience with the guy she's always was in love with in, in college, which is, I think, kind of that's why I choose Leslie. Over although, yeah. although Wendy, who is Mayor Winningham's character, is nicer. And you're right. Cares about the poor and cares about what she's doing and has some kind of moral compass or ethical—I don't know—guiding principles. She is still tr- she likes an arc,
1: yeah. She likes it. She likes an arc. There's no change. Yeah. And the movie is clearly not interested in her, other than to at least have one character who is sort of like a foil to the rest and slightly yeah. sympathetic. Just- now, yeah.
0: Her character may have been different, but it turns out that Mayor Winningham was like three months pregnant by the time the filming started. They didn't oh, know they that did when say, she was uh, hired. But some of she, the outfits, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so she, she, um, that, may be, that may be why that she wasn't quite the focal point that she could have been, who knows. I, I don't know that that's true. I just know that that's a little tidbit of, of information about that. But um, so for a villain in my movie, Ooh, there are so many, um, but I'm going to um, yeah, yeah, go with Judd Nelson. Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, Billy, like Rob, Rob Lowe is also bad date rapey and, and all the rest, but, but he's, he's, he's just kind, kind of a, a cartoon. He's kind yeah. of a cartoon.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Judd Nelson's character, Alec, is, is more nuanced and I, I he, he's very, he's mercurial. He doesn't he's have a, really any convictions. Insidious. His conviction is to make money, and that's kind of gross. He's, you know, so and he's he's sort of violent. He throws things when she's in the apartment, and he's yelling at her, and he's, you know, flanderer. And he thinks that if she says yes, she'll marry him. That's going to change him. He puts a lot of um, um, pressure on the others around him to control his.
2: Yeah, he blames them for him for his behavior. For his behavior.
0: So I don't really have a lot of time for him. Um, So anyway, okay, well, that's my fourth question. And we've all answered both of them, right? We've talked about who's the villain, who's the hero. So that's it. That's the end of our second recording session. Yay. All right. So thank you very much for joining us. We definitely want to have you back and just like maybe do some like really strange foreign film.
2: Well, that's (laughs) what Matthew likes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, and, I and like
1: plenty of American you cinema. You like I, <laughs>
2: Ferris Bueller. I like
1: all kinds.
2: By the way, do you know the only movie in the eighties that was better than Ferris Bueller? I'm not even joking.
1: Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Fanny and Alexander by no. Ingmar Bergman.
2: Christina was right.
1: Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters is perfect a, and is another it's a example film. Another example of a perfect film, and I didn't mention it this time, but it's also an an example of that like. Um, like almost Wall Street fetishism genre that kind of pops up because it's like it's basically a movie about starting a small business, which yeah. is like,
2: of course, there I think a,
1: a funny lens to view it through, even though it's like literally what it's about. I don't think it necessarily you think about it at first, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's It cool. really
0: is. Okay, let's do social media. Okay, so we have an, a Facebook, which is very, very lively, which is extemporaneous with an X on Facebook.
2: Our Instagram is extemporaneouspod. That's Pod.
0: We have a Gmail, extemporaneouspod at gmail.com. Please email us. We actually had a winner. Our superfan. John snedeker
2: Did actually send, send us, us a meatloaf recipe. Sent us a meatloaf recipe. Which we're going to be making sometime after the new year and, and then eating, it, eating live it live. On Facebook streaming.
0: No, what I know it should be on um Instagram. On like Instagram right, Live. We'll do that. Do and we'll eat it and
2: <laughs> Sorry, so John, this meatloaf recipe better not suck.
0: Uh, John's like actually like a full oh, chef. he's an excellent. He's an amazing he's an cook, cook. So we're so not even. I'm not really front, Like he's not going to do a good. We job We might not with even
2: that. have like all the equipment to make whatever meatloaf he wants to make. Hmm. All, right, all right,
0: so we also have fun news. Like we said, if you stay tuned until the very end, we have Matthew Snedekers. Top 1,000 movies of all times list that you can go and peruse. And we recommend, please go and look at his list because it's fantastic. He's done such hard work. No kidding. All joking aside, he has done very hard work and he's very brilliant.
2: So uh, if you want to know what the top 1,000 movies of all time are, this is where you look. So you want to find him at bit.ly forward slash top acclaimed. So that's bit.ly forward slash top acclaimed. And you can check out his uh, list. It's searchable. Uh, You know, if you want to know, hey, what movie should we watch next week? Well, this would be a good place to look. Whatever. Just go to the list for God's sake and watch a movie, okay?
0: Exactly. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Mark, say goodbye. I'm going to say goodbye first. Bye.
2: Peace out, Cub Scouts.